Hello, welcome to A Transplant Tale. It's your host, Sarah Adadeji, and I'm here today with Moses. So Hello. He's going to tell us about his story, and we're going to have a good time, as usual. So kick back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Moses. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. My pleasure. So tell us about yourself, like your journey, where are you from, and what brought you to Philadelphia? My name is Moses Ashawa. I was born and raised in Uganda. And I moved to Philadelphia when I was 24 in 2010. Right. So you can do the math and see how old I am. I'm graying. <laughs> so it's been a journey. Uh, the reason I came to the States was because I met my wife in Uganda. We met in college. She'd come studying abroad. And we became friends. And then I ended up here. So that's a little bit uh of a summary of my journey, but I know you're going to dig deep and find out each and every detail. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're so glad that you're here. We love Christy, so that's his wife, BT Dubs, you know. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> thanks so much for just being here and telling your story. So with the um, transition from Uganda to Philly, that is a huge difference. Mm. Um, I just drove across states and I had a little bit of a culture shock, so... You know, tell us about your experience. Like, how was that coming from Uganda to Philly? Like, So coming from Uganda, Uganda is totally different from Philadelphia. Uh, you can imagine in Uganda, cars go honking all the time. <laughs> and then I come to a place where people are driving and everything is quiet. The only time they honk at someone is when it's a near call. Yeah. <laughs> almost running to someone, that's when they honk. In Uganda, they will just use their horns all the time. Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, it's a funny story. I was on Market Street. We are across Market Street right now. And um, so I got my first uh, attempt to ride the bus on my own mm -hmm. to go to Camden, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And the bus was, uh, I believe, four or nine. That's the bus going to Camden, New Jersey, if I, may, if I, if I remember correctly. And then I stood on Market Street and started waving for the buses. And each bus started passing me. And it started draining. <laughs> I was used to doing that. Yeah. So I kept, and now what I did, the next bus that came, I ran after it. <laughs> uh, so I was chasing a bus down Market Street. Oh, and people no. were looking at me and like, what's this <laughs> guy doing, you know? So the good thing is that I fit in the, in the community. I was black. And if I was in a different place, they'd be like, oh, look at this guy chasing a bus down, yeah. you know? So I didn't stand out. <laughs> but the third attempt, I realized that everyone was standing at it at the shelter yeah. under something and then a bus stop. And then I realized that I was chasing the bus the whole time yet I was supposed to be at the bus stop. Right. So I went under the bus stop and the bus came and stopped. And then I got <laughs> you on. didn't have to run. I didn't have to chase down the bus. Yeah. So that's a funny story. <laughs> wow. That's so interesting. So how does that part work in Uganda? Like, do you run after buses in Uganda? No, you wave that? at the bus. Really? Yeah. Wow. So you wave and they stop and pick you wherever That's you. So wherever you are, you just wave and then the bus stops. Wow. But in the US, the bus you have to be at the bus stop for the bus to stop for yeah. you. Wow. Yeah. So when you got to Philly, like, what did you do? Um, of course, you came for your wife, but like, what did you do for work, or like, how did you get acclimated to Philadelphia? So the initial plan was to come for two weeks. Okay. That was the plan. Oh wow. I was going to come for two weeks and go back to Uganda, uh -huh. and then the two weeks became. Three weeks. Wow. And then I was like, I'm tired of staying in the house by myself all the day. Yeah. Because she would go teach. She's a teacher. She would go teach during the day and then I'll stay in the house and then I'll be like, 
why did I come here? It was <laughs> cold. You know, it was November. Oh, yeah. And everything was dead, you know. And so I was really, really um, overwhelmed by staying at home by myself. So mm. I was like, can you get me an opportunity to go to Camden and I just volunteer? Yeah. So that's how I was going to Camden. That's why I was going to Camden. And so there's a non-profit in Camden called Urban Promise. So I reached there and then they told me, we, we, are, we don't need volunteers this time, but we can send it to Wilmington, Delaware, where they are short of staff, so you can help out there. Oh, nice. So that's how I ended up in Wilmington, Delaware for two years. Nice. So I worked there, but I was telling you how much I was earning. Yeah. And so it's a non-profit, so I didn't expect much, but yeah. I was I was content with the little they gave me, you know. Yeah. I was happy about it, and they provided room and board. And the other thing was uh, the opportunity to interact with other interns. So it was really a huge experience for me. Yeah. Like delving into the culture, learning about how to live in the U.S. Yeah. potentially came from my journey in Wilmington, Delaware. Nice. Yeah. And that's really cool. I think because I feel like community is a big part of like having a transition to a different place, wherever that place may be, especially if it's a new culture. So I think that was pretty cool that you had like a built in community with that opportunity. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was a huge, huge opportunity for me to delve into the culture yeah. to know the do's and the don'ts because i came from a culture where i knew most of the you know expectations right. and here i am in the united states and i didn't know what the expectations were for me and you know i had to learn all over again just like you came to philadelphia yeah. and realized that it's a different ball game yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well, that's really cool so then what did you do like after that? Um, after that opportunity, what made that three weeks and two years turn into like okay, you know what? Let's just stay here. So uh, the two weeks were supposed. That's what I'd asked for the visa. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be two weeks. That's what I told the visa consular. Okay. I told him I'm I'm going to the United States to visit my girlfriend's family. Mm -hmm. I'll be gone for two weeks and I'll be back to Uganda. But when I got here, I realized that we'd been dating for two years long distance. Right. And I was like. Why don't I give it an opportunity to, you know, get to know this person in their own culture, you yeah. know? So I gave it time. And then I was like, how can I stay here legally yeah. without breaking the laws? So I was like, can I volunteer on my visa? I came on a visitor's visa. Mm. So you're not allowed to be employed or paid. No. So I volunteered for six months. If Chris is watching, I volunteered for six months <laughs> for no pay. Wow. Yeah. And then, so speaking of the visa process, though, like how did that work for you to stay longer? Because obviously you're here now. So yes. how did that So the that visa process? is that uh, I volunteered for six months. Okay. So that was the only loophole I could use, you know, I, not receiving any payment. Right. So I worked for six months. And after the six months, my bosses were impressed by my commitment. Oh, nice. So they, re they petitioned. They call it petitioning. Perfect. They petitioned for a visa for me to work legally gotcha. and get paid. Wow. And that's how I ended up being paid. Uh, the little I told you about. Yeah. I was still content with the little that I got yeah. from nothing to something. Yeah. So I was the happiest. Yeah. So I got a check. At least I would, you know, buy, uh, pay for my phone bill, you know, right. buy myself, you know, some things that I needed, clothes. And because they provided clothes, but, you know, I, I needed stuff that you know, personal stuff that I needed. Right. So I'd take care of myself sometimes, you know. Yeah. And splurge and, yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, that's really cool. And so 
then uh, what are like some of the things that you really missed about home? Because obviously if you came here planning to be be here for a little bit of time and then you're like, okay, well now I'm going to stay here, but I miss home. So what are like some of those things that you miss about home? So I miss mostly people understanding me. Yeah. yeah. So I worked with kids in the summer uh, in the summer after school program, it was just, that was an arrangement of the program. So I did, uh, I was a, a school year intern, worked with the kids through the school year in the after school program. And for the summer, I worked with the, the kids still for the summer program, which was really intense. It was like a six weeks program every day in the hot sun, the kids are running. Mm. So it was really great, great experience, but intense. So I, I worked there that way and learned a lot of things, you know, and not being, mis being misunderstood by the kids because of my accent. Mm. So, I'd, you know, tell the kids like, oh, you have to be seated. Like, like huh? <laughs> and they would take advantage of it, you know. Sometimes yeah. they didn't want to do it and right. just, you know, try to get away from, you know, responsibility by blaming it on my accent. Like, huh? What are you saying? I can't understand you. Yeah. So, so I had those challenges, you know. Yeah. But um, most of the part, you know, like, you know, having to, like, uh, ask for permission to, like, leave. Because my wife was in Philadelphia. My girlfriend back then was in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And then I had, I had to ask for permission each time I'd, I'd come to visit Philadelphia. Because oh, wow. I was at, uh, at more of maybe an arranged, like, camp. Oh, okay. So we stayed in a, a community house. Okay. So each time I had to leave, I had to ask for permission. And that was really kind of different, you know, because yeah. I was an adult and asking right. for permission. So, so certain of the things, such are the things that it really, you know, it got me to speed to know that, you know, there are, there's responsibility and there's, you know, there's uh, hurdles you have to go through, uh, learning and living in a new environment. Absolutely, yeah, that's really cool. And yeah. so, um, so fast forward to today. And mm. You have, well, I guess you can tell us, like, what does your family look like? And then we can tell. So I'm a proud dad of two girls, <laughs> the best daughters in the whole world. Yeah, I have Rachel and Ruthie. They are my uh, everything, I should say. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm, I'm happy to, to be in their lives and, you know, come alongside them through this journey. Absolutely. And I've learned a lot, you know, parenting takes a lot of patience a lot of um, uh, understanding, you know, you have to sit back and sometimes contemplate on like, how am I going to, to nurture this young one? How am yeah. I going to uh, teach them how to grasp some of the basics in life? Right. So it's been a journey for me. Yeah. yeah. And I'm still learning. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I was going to ask. Like, how do you go about combining and introducing and making sure the girls like have the culture pieces since they are in like a different environment than what you grew up in. Like, mm. how do you integrate all of that into your family? That's a very good question. So uh, I grew up in a very uh, humble family. You know, I'm one of eight. And then being raised by a single mom, you know, she had to wear both hats as a dad and mom. So I take, you know, uh, a lot of... Uh, I give her credit for the things she taught me, you know, you know, gratitude, patience, and, you know, and being able to uh, understand other people, um, feeling for other people. And that's something that I've trained, I'm, I'm still trying to find in this culture, empathy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think I, I, I over em, em, 
empathize, <laughs> that's the word, empathize mm -hmm. with other people than I should, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what I was, was ingrained in me as a kid. Right. Yeah, so empathy is what I'm trying to teach my kids. And like, you know, you have to be um, intuitive and understand how other people are feeling okay. and uh, come alongside them, you know. And I'm seeing it in my eldest because she's older now. She's able to empathize, you know. I think she gets it from somewhere maybe in our genes. Or, yeah. But she will be able to, you know, uh, apologize immediately when she does something wrong. Or uh, ask you, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like if you're sneezing consistently, she's like, yeah. what's wrong with you, daddy? Yeah. So things like that, you know, feeling for someone else, which is really important. I think it's something that we we have to learn as a culture yeah. and uh, and, and not to be on the extremes of like empathize. It's a hard word to say. Empathize. Empathize <laughs> all the time. But, you know, sometimes to, to take that, you know, step and, you know, get to know how people are feeling, how they are doing. Yeah. And um, I think that's really what's important in a friendship and a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really important. So, um, how was the adjustment to. Just like the food, because I know if you all, well, you all don't know yet because we haven't talked about it yet. But my husband's from Africa and that was one of the big things for him was like the food. So how was that <laughs> for you? So the food was the most challenging thing. I so I came around November. So that's Thanksgiving. And then everyone was happy, excited, you know, that I had come at the right time to try the American food. <laughs> They're like, no, you should give him everything to try. And then I show up at the American thanksgiving table <laughs> and i couldn't pick a, any any dish because oh. everything was different for me so there was turkey there was sweet beans there was um, corn literally name it yeah. it was all there and i was like okay i'm going to try the beans because you know i grew up eating beans right i'm like i can't identify with this and trying them there were sweet beans we never eat sweet beans yeah. so i ended up uh trying taki then the taki was really different as well <laughs> it was not salty so i'm used to eating everything with salt right and the taki was just mild and it was different yeah so for thanksgiving that year i felt really disappointed <laughs> i didn't eat as much as i wanted to eat so mm -hmm. i ate a little bit and then um that's been my journey and then things like pizza uh, i had tried pizza back in uganda but not a lot of pizza right. and then having a lot of cheese on the pizza and cheese on everything. Yeah. So <laughs> cheese takes, the pizza, and, you know, things like that. And it was really a journey that I'm learning now, mm. now that I have assimilated. Mm. I can relate with someone coming to this culture and trying new, f uh, trying the, the American foods and mm. yeah, the delicacies. Right. It takes time to get used to. Yeah. Yeah. So when... Your kids visit Uganda. Like, what are some of the foods that you're like, okay, you have to try? And, of course, explain them. Because if you say the name, we may not know it. Yeah. Or somebody may not know it. Yeah. But, you know. So, especially for Rachel, now who's four. The last time we, vi uh, we visited Uganda in the summer, last yeah. year. So, I wanted her to try something called chapati. Mm -hmm. So, it's like naan, flatbread. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the version that I wanted her to try was the one with, um, it's called a Rolex. Mm -hmm. So that's how that's like a fancy name, not the watch. <laughs> it's a fancy name. It's called yeah. the Rolex. So it's a naan, the flatbread. Okay. Then they 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 make an omelet. 
Oh, wow. And add vegetables and then roll it in a wrap. It's like oh, okay. a taco, not a ta- but bigger than a taco. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I wanted her to try. But I was scared that she would have a reaction maybe or something. So, I held back, but I, I gave her the chapati. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did she like it? She loved it. Oh, good, She loved good, the chapati, good. yeah. Good, good, good. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Any other foods? Uh, we ate a couple of foods. Uh, she loved the fruit. We have the best pineapples. Yeah, they are really juicy and ripe. She ate those, avocados. So we tried literally most of the things that I thought that she would, you know, remember. Yeah. And the other thing she that stuck with her was the the means of transport. Because uh, in Uganda, they have these bikes. You pay and get on a motorbike, and then they ride you around the city. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so she would see them around. You know, she'd see people, you know, drive by us and she'd be like who's that there's a lot of motorbikes we're like oh those are border borders and so she lies she's like can i ride on a border border we're like no you're still young you don't have you know you need the helmet or something like that so but she was really intrigued by the border borders yeah Yeah. well when she gets older you'll have to Uh, once she gets older then i think yeah Yeah. i'll have to let her ride on one of those that'll be really fun yeah yeah nice nice and then so in your journey here, were there any, like, challenges that you encountered or, like, anything that you're, like, uh-oh, like, am I making the right choice or everything was just, like, you're, like, I'm going to get my lady. I don't care what happens. <laughs> no, there are challenges, especially when I was still working at, like, uh, in the community setting. So, for example, the, commun- the communal refrigerator would have, like, say, someone would bring their lunch sandwich and put it there and write their name on it mm. i'd never seen that so i got into trouble and ate someone's lunch Uh-oh. not knowing i thought it was a communal refrigerator <laughs> and so i was like i was hungry it's like let me so i got in trouble so Uh-oh. i had to repent and uh so things like that you know i had to learn you know that oh it's a communal refrigerator but people have put in their food and label it their names so things like that uh not that I was you no know, insensitive to that, yeah. but I didn't know. Right. So, so, so those are some of the challenges that I faced, you know, and because uh, I thought, oh, we're living as a community, so we share everything. Yeah. But especially the sandwiches were <laughs> off limits. Yeah. So, and not that I, I loved sandwiches, I took a long time without eating lunch. Oh no. Because everything was cold and it was the winter, and I'm used to eating hot meals. Right. And, you know, it it would be like 80, but I would still be consuming a hot meal. Yeah. And now here I come and it's freezing and people are offering a sandwich. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, my goodness, I can't even try this. Yeah. So uh, I, I got in trouble, you know, from time to time, not knowing the culture and the expectations. But I think those are the things that shaped me now to be cautious, you know, with people and how I deal with people how I relate with people and how I um, I try to understand people based on those um, challenges that I met along the way. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So one question is like, what was something that was like encouraging to you, like mm. a quote, a scripture, a song or something that was encouraging to you like throughout your journey of adjustment? Uh, that's a good question. Um I think the grounding that I was given as a kid was really, really important. I was raised in the church, and that gave me uh, perspective about, like, uh, life and expectations. And um, 
And the place I worked at, Urban Promise, was Christian-based. So everything was like communal, would have like Bible study, uh, would have uh, communal lunches, you know, and pray before eating. So that was really encouraging. But what kept me going on my, in, in, in some of the toughest uh, situations was uh, knowing who I am as an individual. And I think that's what I held so sacred, you know. I knew that I was God's child and I was God's beloved. And uh, I come to a land where, you know, people are uh, welcome to live freely. You don't have to impose that on them. And I realized that's okay. And But my grounding was knowing that, that, uh, that God was with me. And as a kid, I learned a lot of um, Psalms, you know, like reading the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And that was really encouraging to me. And also knowing that I was um, in a community of other people that shared the same values kept me going. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I was encouraged most of the time. Yeah. So... To round off, just what was some, what is some advice that you would give to an aspiring transplant, whether it be from Africa or anywhere? So if you're coming to Philadelphia, uh, don't chase a bus like I did. <laughs> so uh, I would say um, be open and, uh, and, uh, and, and willing to learn. I think that's the most important thing, being willing to learn and and to see how things are done in other cultures. Mm. Yeah. I think I sat back and, and realized that, that I had to slow down and then watch others and learn from them. Absolutely. And that's, that's the most important thing that I can, I can relate with at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to say to the people that I didn't ask about? Uh, I think you've, uh, you've asked most of the questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Say bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Have a good one. See ya. Thank you all so much for watching The Transmits Tale. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time.